Hello, welcome into another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast here on a Monday night. Of course, I am Anthony Broom, joined as we are every week by Chris Ballas and Clayton Safey. Coming off of another Michigan football weekend, this one was a 31-10 win over the Indiana Hoosiers in Bloomington, second straight road win. Um, a lot to sort through. Uh, of course, our Monday night shows are sponsored by Rogue Shop. We'll talk about our friends over there in a little bit, uh, as we do every week. We'll just hop right into the action. Of course, you're able to ask questions. If you want to get your question uh, read live on the air, feel free to drop it in the chat. If you want your question to be moved to the front of the line, uh, use that donate button below. We'll get you a shout out. We'll get you in the queue ahead of everyone else. And we'll talk about whatever's on your mind for the next, you know, 45, 50 minutes here. So, uh, guys, thank you again for being here. We'll do what we do every Monday and seeing as that, Saturday, uh, I do the post-game show with Ryan Van Bergen. Ballas, you did the show with Skeen last night. We're going to start off with Clayton, who was actually on the field. A unique perspective for him this game in Bloomington, uh, for this game in Bloomington. Clayton, uh, I know you put out the observations article, but run us through your takeaways and some of the things that you noticed in that uh, unique perspective for you. Yeah, it was very unique. Uh, quite a game to be down there for obviously with everything that happened i thought from michigan's standpoint it was a d first half and then pretty much an a second half you know it could have been an a plus if they didn't throw an interception in the end zone or maybe a minus could have been an a but uh the d first half understandably a little bit uh due to uh, being down there i felt like the life was sucked out of that sideline for a couple drives and you know again Nobody knows how to react in that situation. Jim Harbaugh had never seen anything like it. He said after the game he had nothing to draw on. Uh, you know, nobody did. So uh, with Mike Hart obviously going down, uh, you know, a crazy situation. Uh, so prayers out to him. And sounds like he's doing better from uh, his statement. Um, but the second half, I thought Michigan turned it on. Rod Moore was talking today about some of the adjustments they made defensively. And he said, it wasn't really that much scheme. It was more so a mentality. It was more so adjusting to the pace that Indiana played with, which is a little disappointing because, you know, you feel like coming off of what happened last season at Michigan state, Michigan should be ready for that tempo a little bit better, but they were in the second half, 19 total yards allowed pitched the shutout. Um, and then the offense started to come alive a little bit. And as Jim Harbaugh said, they put the game in JJ McCarthy's hands. I thought he responded really well again, outside the interception where I think you throw that ball a little more inside or you don't throw it. That was good defense by Indiana, but he was making plays, Ronnie Bell, Luke Schoonmaker. Um, you know, you kind of are figuring out who his favorite targets are. Um, Run game did enough. I thought Indiana did a good job of taking that away, and Michigan counteracted it with, again, putting the game in J.J. McCarthy's hands. So I think D first half, A second half, maybe B minus performance. Um, you know, you got out with the win, and that's all that's important, and now you have to, you have to play better than that probably to beat Penn State, and uh, I think they probably will. And what I wrote in my column today, guys, is that uh, at the everybody's like, well, if they play like this against Penn State, there's no way they're going to win. They don't. They won't. OK, it doesn't work that way just because you come out lethargic against a, a team that you should probably beat and handle on, you know, 10 times out of 10 doesn't mean that's how you're going to play the following week. And we've seen that so many times over the years. Uh, it doesn't happen that way. And these these guys are human beings. And I was talking to Skeen about this and he said, yeah, you know what? It's natural at that age. You're looking at it and you're thinking, OK, we had Iowa. We just went down there 
there and made a statement. We got Penn State coming up. Let's just take care of these chumps and then we'll go home. You know what? And maybe uh, get our chicken sandwich, as Scheme would say, and celebrate an easy win. Well, sometimes you get punched in the mouth. And we always see Indiana play these guys tough. Flat out, they for whatever reason, that's six times out of eight now that in Indiana has played probably above its head in playing Michigan. So um, it happens. So you know what? Bottom line is, you look around the country again. A and M probably could have easily beaten Alabama. They were right down there and had a chance to win. You look at Georgia; they've struggled. Penn State's struggled with at least three teams on their schedule that they shouldn't have. Probably should have lost to Purdue. Uh, they you know struggled with Central Michigan for a half at least, and so uh, and they had the one impressive win at, at Auburn. So uh, it's it's not something that's going to be perfect every week as Lloyd Carr always used to say it's not a game of perfect so good enough is good enough guys yeah and development of a team over the course of a season isn't always linear too and not to say that Saturday was a step back but you know there is such thing you know that's why we don't play the games based on ESPN's FPI or what we say or what is said in staff predictions you got you got to play the game and and it is talked about this a little bit with you guys on the car ride back definitely in the post game show with Ryan as well once the not to add too much weight to you know we move on from the Mike Hart thing it's great to hear he's doing better uh Fred Jackson as qualified an interim replacement as you could possibly have for him so uh, Michigan's in good hands there uh Mike Hart should be back sooner rather than later but when we look at Saturday's game it's kind of surprising to me that it's being viewed as such a dog performance for Michigan and the first half was bad don't get me wrong but you know it almost seems like they're being punished for not being more dominant, which I understand. I mean, the rankings are, are what they are and it's just the opinions of beat writers and things like that. But I don't know how you can watch Saturday's game and not come away with the fact that, you know, just after the Mike Hart thing did happen, that was one of those things where like, you just try to keep your mental stability enough to where you can get into halftime, make adjustments, settle down, come back out and do what they did in the second half. So uh, it was another game where I was uh, impressed with, you know, how they locked in when things did get difficult. It's taken a different shape these last couple of weeks, whether it be, um, you know, having to pull away from Maryland or having a little bit of a scare late against Iowa. But uh, this team is is building a callus and, and is learning some stuff about its adversity or the adversity it can take, the counter punches it can land and things like that moving forward. So um, I want to hop right into questions today. I don't know if there's anything yeah. else we can really add about Indiana. Uh, I mean, we know what's what's coming up this week in a top 10 matchup between Penn State and Michigan. Again, guys, also feel free to get your questions in. We're going to start today with Sean Flynn, who says the offensive play calling is stale. Do you have any reason to believe they will run more play action to free up wide receivers and get over the top of Penn State's defense? Uh, Chris, we'll start with you on that one. Yeah, uh, you know what? It was funny because when I was watching the Iowa game, the, a lot of the passing game wasn't play action. It was straight drops. And I thought, boy, I would, would have expected to see more play action. So I would think so. I think they turned the page in, in games like these, and we've seen that. Um, the, the first drives in, in a lot of these games have been really good. The scripted ones, right, including last week's. And, of course, it helps when you've got Blake Corum ripping off a 50-yard run in which he probably should have been stopped for two yards, right? At the same time, they moved the ball. Um, but – I think it has to uh, against the Penn States. I, I don't really care if they beat, for example, Nebraska 
20, 21 to 10 or something like that. If they're saving a ton of the playbook for Ohio State for things that they haven't seen before, am I convinced they're doing that? No. Now, we have seen Jim Harbaugh have some pretty good game plans against them, right? Uh, even the John O'Corn game, they had a chance in the fourth quarter because they were they were really mixing it up. There were plays out there to be made that weren't made that would have been made by a, a competent quarterback, with all due respect to John. So, um, But I do think – in this game, you're going to have to see some more of it because I think you're going to see Penn State take away the run or at least try to, and I think they're going to have some success doing that. Uh, this is not a defensive line that I think is going to get pushed around like Iowa's did, as crazy as that is to say. So uh, I do think that they're going to have to turn the page. And if that means, you know, J.J. McCarthy using his legs a little bit more, so be it. He better get down and roll him out a little bit more, too. He really seems to throw well on the run. We keep saying that week after week. I want to see a little bit more of that, too, and uh, making it easier for him. Yeah, going back to that Iowa game, you're right. Two play-action passes for Michigan in that game. Six in this past game, so they're starting to open that up a little bit more, and J.J. is doing really good on those plays. 14.7 yards per attempt on play-action last week. I think we're going to see more of it as the season goes on. I've watched eight years or seven and a half years of Jim Harbaugh coached Michigan football to lead me to believe they do save things for games like this. So I, I do think we're going to get you know see more creative play calls uh, to an extent, but still, I mean, I, I didn't understand the some of the first half play calls against Indiana stacking the box. They clearly wanted to shut down the run. They wanted to do it early in the game to make Michigan do something else. Eventually, Michigan did, but it took a while for them to adjust. I think they'll be a little bit more on point with things like that uh, in this game, and the play action, I think, could be a real weapon. And that you know, play action, some of the stuff they're doing under center uh, goes right along with, Chris, what you're talking about with rolling him out. I think they can do that pretty easily from that type of set so I think we're going to see it um, but you know at, at the same time I do have a feeling that Michigan has its identity to an extent they're going to run the ball uh, and they should they have one of the best running backs in the country they have one of the best offensive lines in the country they have some of the best blocking receivers and tight ends in the country and you have to play to your strengths make life easy for J.J. McCarthy and, uh, you know, kind of ease him into being the starter still. He's only five starts in, about to make his sixth, and I have a real feeling that they want to lean on Blake Corum, who's the strength of the offense right now. Yeah, I will address um, my my stance on that question, but first, we have a $20 super chat here from Shane. Shane. He's the man. Love Coming in big again, he says, let's go, flying the girls up from Miami, wife, grandma, and a seven-year-old for their first trip to the big house. Student section end zone behind. Uh, there's a lot of alphabets stuff going on there. Uh, Joe's Pizza Friday afternoon. Need suggestions for a great cold beer spot to soak it all in. Uh, Clayton, you live in Ann Arbor. Chris, you have spent several years in, in the Ann Arbor area. You guys are going to have to help me out there. I haven't explored as much of the Ann Arbor nightlife as I should. So I'll go to our resident expert panel for that here. Clay, go ahead. Well, I don't usually hang out with a grandma, wife, and seven-year-old uh, in Ann Harbor, so I may have some different spots. But I will say, like, if you're looking for just kind of a casual dinner and have a beer too, uh, Nights is fantastic. Um, Hopcat's a great place. So there's so many options in Ann Arbor. Joe's Pizza is also a great choice for Friday afternoon. That's going to be awesome. Thank you, Shane, for the uh, twenty bucks. Yeah, and I'd say night. I'd agree with Knights. I think that's a great spot, uh, and to have a beer downtown. I go to the the one on Liberty. I think it's it is, isn't it, on Liberty or is it on? Sounds yeah. right. I don't really know the street. It's right downtown. There are two of them. Just go to the one on Liberty. The other one looks like um, the other one's older and, and outstanding. They've got great steaks, but it's uh, 
it's I think the more modern one would be more your speed, Shane. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, with that 20 bucks, man, we're going to when you come up here by yourself and we're going to take you out and buy you a beer at some point at a spot that's uh, not fit for grandmas and seven year olds. <laughs> so uh, keep that in mind, man. When you come back, we really appreciate you, Shane. God, well, with inflation now, a beer is about 20 bucks. Exactly. So they'll yes, cover sir. one. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Shane, so much uh, for your continued support. A very, uh, very committed uh, fan of the Wolverine here. So, Shane, we love you. Thank you so much again. I'm going to go back to Sean's question. Uh, and really, I, I would just double down on what you guys said about the play action game. And all I have to add here is, is some numbers from, uh, from Pro Football Focus. I can't talk tonight. It's like the second Monday in a row, but. <laughs> Uh, J.J. McCarthy's stats, uh, throwing in play action this year. He's 22 of 25, completing 88% of his throws, 384 yards, 15.4 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Offensive, uh, a grade of 90.2 there on pro football focus. So that is a strength of something he can do. Uh, And and Clay, again, I'm with you. I think I said this to Chris on Sunday uh, or Saturday when we were in the box. JJ just looks more comfortable when they get him on the run and get him out of the pocket. Um, I know Jim Harbaugh likes to retrofit whoever he has to be, you know, stand tall in the pocket and be a pocket passer. But um, I think JJ can do those things, but you know, let your, let your horses run a bit here too. So I'm with you on all that. I think they will need to open some things up there through the air uh, moving forward. So uh, another question from Shadyville kind of just talking about what we already uh, were addressing here. J.J. McCarthy threw 36 passes. That's great, but only three of those traveled over 20 yards. Zero of them were completed. Do those 20-yard plays have to be completed to beat Penn State? No. Uh, I think it doesn't matter how you get explosive plays as long as you get some explosive plays and don't have to go 13 or 14 yards. Um, The red zone offense, Clay, you're Mr. Stats, man. How's the red zone offense been for touchdowns this year for Michigan? Um. Let me look it up, but yeah, it seems like they have not converted on quite a few over the last few weeks. Yeah. Let's see. I know they were three for five on Saturday, which it's just, it has right. to be better than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, you can't, it's, I remember Jason Avant when Michigan lost 13 to nine, I believe in Columbus in 2002. And he said, field goals don't win games. Well, the, the, one of the ways that you can avoid field goals is by scoring outside of the red zone with some big plays. I think they'll get Roman Wilson back guys. So if anybody's asking or thinking about that, he could have probably played last week. So uh, we feel good about that. And I think you're going to see some different things and some different looks. I really do. And uh, remember last year, the explosive play that won the Penn State game was what? Eric All on a five-yard crossing pattern on a drag route that he took to the distance. So there's no Eric All, but there are certainly several other guys that are able to, to do that. And uh, I think that uh, – but it would be nice to see a couple over the top, fellas. Uh, there's no question about it. Make it a little bit easier and, and scheme some things up. That's what I want to see, uh, a passing game that's schemed up and where you're, you got some guys running up. It doesn't have to look like Ohio State, but once in a while, like the Iowa game when Roman Wilson was running free, um, I'd like to see a few more of those. Yeah, I don't think they need those to beat Penn State. When you look at even, you know, Eric Hall, obviously an outstanding example against Penn State, but also last week with Cornelius Johnson, they, you know, crossing pattern, yep. he gets open, you know, he makes a play. I mean, Cornelius Johnson hasn't been great this season. He's, I think he's been good at times, but 
Michigan has enough playmakers that are going to make the play if you just get the ball in their hands. I think J.J. McCarthy has made some smart reads down the field. Sometimes there is a deep ball that is, you know, in part of the concept, but he doesn't necessarily throw it because he's seeing guys like Ronnie Bell and Luke Schoonmaker. And I think that's kind of the step that we've been waiting for J.J. McCarthy to take from when, you you know, the continued practice reports and things like that since he got on campus. He's really, uh, you know, turned the page there, in my opinion. So I I think that's a good thing in a way. Uh, At the same time, I think we're going to see him connect on a few uh, down the stretch here in the season. But no, I don't think you need those to beat Penn State. I think you just need to make the right read. And uh, and when those are there, make the throw. And that can really give you some breathing room in a game like that, that we all kind of expect to be pretty tight. Anthony, I don't think I think the Cornelius Johnson pass was an ad lib, wasn't it? I mean, he was scrambling a little bit and and uh, Cornelius broke off his route and he just happened to be wide open and turned it up. So yeah. That was off script, and that's exactly what uh, I think that John uh, Jim Harbaugh said. You know what? There was more of that in the second half, and they let him. They turned him loose a little bit. Yeah, at some point, uh, you have to you have to let the guy just make plays. And and this is, I think this is one of the the bigger takeaways for me is that yeah, we know that JJ McCarthy has. I don't, I don't want to say a mistake waiting to happen, but he can be he can be a little bit loose with the football and make some risky decisions. But you know, after he throws that pick. Uh, in the, I think it was in the third quarter, Michigan was up 17 to 10. I think it was 10 for 10 for like 104 yards and two touchdowns after that. That is what you need to see. It's not the mistake. They just need to not spiral. Mistakes spiraled on guys like Joe Milton, John O'Corn, guys like that. And I'm not comparing J.J. McCarthy, but um, the only thing that matters is what happens next when, you, when that does happen. So as far as the offense goes, like I said um, – I think I'd actually I'd almost go the opposite way. I'd love to see more of what Indiana w- was doing, moving the football, get the ball out quick, get the ball in the hands of guys like Ronnie Bell and and AJ Heading and Andre Anthony. Get that ball out quick and let those guys make plays. Um, you know, it doesn't all have to be. I, I love this. A couple weeks ago, uh, with Ryan Van Bergen, he said like I know people often measure what Michigan does offensively against Ohio State, but. He's like, why do, we don't need to be Ohio State. We can, we can, if we just do, if Michigan just does what they do well, they show, they, you know, they proved last year that, that formula, their formula can work. So if you have, put your own stamp on it, execute what you do well. And, but yeah, I think we need to see a little more misdirection. And there's not a lot going on pre snap right now. And I think that does need to change moving forward because that does pull a defender out of the box or, move a guy over, helps you see what a matchup could be. So we'll see what happens there. It has been kind of bare bones, but uh, no complaints of, of what we've seen so far. Uh, Brian Laguerre uh, with a $2 donation says we need the NHL back. I'm all for Starts it. Friday. Let's he go Red Hill Wings. Green. Let's NHL, go Red Wings. NHG, Nikai Hill Green. So um, <laughs> you, have to pay four, you have to pay $4. Dollars. You have to pay another $2 to get your actual question answered. Now. <laughs> yeah. Don't talking, answer that, guys. Don't answer that. We're talking Red Wings. So. Oh, my gosh. Shane Johnson is back. Uh, but we could use Nikai Hill Green back just, just to actually – he did donate $4. So Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, they could use him back. Uh, I want to talk about linebackers in a second, actually. So we'll answer Shane's question here. Yeah, we'll talk about Rogue Shop. We'll come back and talk to linebackers because yep. some interest, an interesting little wrinkle that we saw Saturday that I think is something worth exploring moving forward. Uh, Shane Johnson's uh, again, ten dollars in the chat. Wilson back is huge. The offensive line really missed him. It's criminal that Andre Anthony is not getting four to five touches a game. Chris, what is your biggest concern heading into the game of the year prior to the Ohio State game? Is he talking about Penn State? 
Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, my concern is that they're going to stop the run and that Michigan's going to kind of play right into their hands by continuing to try to run rather than uh, do some things. I'm looking at the film right now, the Indiana game, because I wanted to see if Joel Klatt was right when we're talking about, you know, if they're in motion, they're doing one thing. If they're not in motion, they're doing some. If their tendencies are really that simple to figure out. So, and if they are, then that's something that needs to change with all those analysts on staff. Uh, that should never be the case unless, you know, some people are theorizing that, hey, they're just doing this to set up. Up Penn State to show them different looks, so on and so forth. But your objective in every game is to win the game, so I don't think that's the case. But uh, to me, uh, it's going to be running the ball in that second back. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I, Donovan Edwards. I, I love him as a player. I don't know that he is that guy that every down back, and we haven't seen enough of him to, to really know one way or the other. But if something were to happen with Blake Corum, I'd be like, wow you know what, you're really thin there. So they really have to beef it up. But um, to me, that's the the biggest question. And then the linebackers, I think Clifford and his ability to run a little bit, um, I think I think Penn State will have some success running the ball as well. I do. And I know Michigan's been really good at times stopping the run. But uh, you know what, the linebackers have been iffy at times. There have been times that Junior Colson has been really waiting rather than attacking. And I think that could, uh, that could really – be an issue on Saturday and if if Penn State runs the ball pretty well then they're gonna have a, a decent chance to win this game I agree uh let's go to uh let's talk about our friends over at the Rogue Shop again Shane Johnson thank you so much you were the MVP of tonight's show to this point um to appreciate you let's talk about Rogue Shop here for a little bit uh you guys know all about them our friends Richard and Shar, who are craft cannabis farmers specializing in small batch sustainable plant mess uh medicine Rogue Shop operates out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and they work to not only grow and manufacture, but also educate you guys on uh, THC-based medicines and things like that. So if you're looking for products that can help with diffusing stress, anxiety, chronic pain, insomnia, uh, Rogue Shop has you know, Delta 8, Delta 9, CBD, THC products that are all lab direct without middlemen, and we can get you 10% off. Use the promo code the Wolverine uh, for all of the, the wide variety of things that they carry where they're good friends of us. Uh, Richard has been on the message board, answering your questions. Uh, his wife will answer questions on the website. Uh, you know, they're not just selling a product. They're selling education. Uh, they're there to answer all the questions you have. And guys, they have been, uh, they've been great friends to us so far. We appreciate uh, the ability to kind of um, learn what they're all about. And um, you know, they've been awesome so far. Yeah, I had a uh, I had one of the gummies on Saturday night. John Borton was in the room next to us, and I could hear him through the wall uh, with his snoring. And uh, <laughs> since the CPAP machine went down, and I, I took a gummy, and I was out, guys. And uh, <laughs> and what a great night's sleep. But you know what? I I have family members that use it for pain, uh, and it's been a godsend. So, uh, and again, the the handwritten letters from Char, man, I was just blown away. So we support good people. Uh, you know what? We don't take on their sponsors that we've turned down. Uh, these guys are fantastic and they're a great fit with us. Yeah, it's a plus plus product. Uh, the CBD gummies outstanding. Um, and it is interesting reading, uh, some of the message board posts, people talking about it. A lot of people have used CBD for a while, but then they uh, talk to, you know, the folks at road shop and they figure out what kind of is best for them. Rogue shop has so many different products. So it's like, Oh, didn't even know this was out there. I mean, some of the stuff on there, go to the website. It's crazy. Um, and then you're able to find what's right for you. So it's a fantastic product. Glad to have them as a sponsor. Again, use promo code the Wolverine for 10% off at the rogue shop.com. Uh, shout out to Richard and Shar for all they do. 
uh, for Raiders of the Wolverine and for the sponsorship. So thank you guys for your continued support. Uh, it, it's not, I was going to say, it, it goes back to the super chat we got from, I think, Brian uh, saying about needing Nakai Hill Greenback. Doesn't seem like he's coming back anytime soon. So I want to go to this question now from Ian McDonald, who says, was Colson getting pulled on passing downs for Jimmy Rolder? Is that about Rolder's development or Colson's struggles in the pass game? And my immediate response to that would be probably a bit of column A, a bit of column B. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, the game was, I think, wasn't it about 24-10 when Rolder started really coming in? Or was it 17-10? I don't know. It was a little um, bit earlier. I thought I saw okay, him out there it? in the first half. Okay. He was there in the first quarter, I thought. Yeah. Was he really? Okay. Well, two things. Rolder, um, you know what? There were some things that he needed to do better. And Jim Harbaugh, I think, said that he had a text conversation with him and maybe one of his coaches where he said, you know what? He's just got to play and not think too much, which is, I think, what what Colson's kind of guilty of at sometimes. And I'll go back to that play i think in the maryland game when he was waiting at the goal line rather than attacking so just use your instincts you know and i think rolder is starting to do that more and he's going to play more we know what they think of him because we heard them talking about him in camp and like all right we've got guys here that, that can play the position sometimes freshmen are further along and uh, rolder's starting to get there and that bodes well because that is a position that's going to need some help i don't think hill green's going to be coming back anytime soon guys that's a gut feeling uh, an informed opinion but uh, you know a pretty strongly informed opinion so and that hurts uh, you know he was being compared to uh, to junior colson in terms of athleticism so and they need more depth and some more help there. So that's huge development roller. But again, he's not as physically developed. How is he going to do against some of these bigger offensive lines that try to run right at them? So, but Ian, it's a good question, Brian. And we, we didn't mean to make light of your two bucks. We appreciate it very much. And, uh, but I would say, uh, you know what? I think Roller's going to see more and more playing time here because I think that he's starting to show that, that he's capable. Yeah, the funny thing is, is he's right. Jimmy Rolder was coming in on some of those pass downs. When you mm-hmm. think of Jimmy Rolder, though, when they got him, and we know for a fact the staff was fired up when they landed him, uh, you know, last season. But I mean, you think of him as kind of a downhill type of guy. Uh, uh, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin was a guy that Jim Harbaugh compared him to on signing day, but he was actually coming in and uh, you know dropping a little bit. I thought he did a good job, but I think we're going to see more and more of him as we saw more and more of Junior Colson a year ago uh, for Michigan, but linebackers right now, uh, I think, you know, they need to continue to improve. Nakai Hill green, not coming back. Uh, like we thought he might earlier on in the season was a huge development. Um, I don't think he's as athletic or close to junior Colson, but I think he was, he's kind of better at some of the more instinctual aspects of the position. Uh, a great communicator has more experience. So they, uh, you know, they could use that, but if Jimmy Rolder is getting better, get him more snaps because I think by the end of the year, they may need him. Uh, Michael Barrett's playing pretty good here and there. He has his moments, but um the linebacker is just not playing as good as I thought as a whole, as a collective, um, you know, coming into the season. Yeah. I really thought that junior Coles and he has like for the most part been stout, but the last couple of weeks, um, you know, this is a guy who I think has the talent, the potential to be the guy on that defense. And it is, it, there's some processing stuff still going on. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, you know, he's drinking out of the fire hose a bit. He's, um, sort of the de facto, you know, when you, when you're the middle linebacker or the Mike linebacker, you're kind of the de facto leader of the defense and he is still a sophomore. So, you know, there's, there's a learning curve there. Uh, The thing about him is that you want to see him put some of these things on film right now because it's coachable, something you can fix. I think with his skill set, he's capable of doing 
just about whatever they ask for him, whatever they put on his plate. But um, yeah, we knew that Jimmy Rolder was going to be a guy that maybe had a chance to come on in the second half, especially with quite, I mean, there were questions about depth at linebacker even before Nakai Hill green went down. So uh, more bodies, more guys coming on. is never a bad thing. There, competition's good, but yeah, on the, a lot of those third downs uh, you were seeing Kalal Mullings and Jimmy Rolder out there on the field on the same time. So uh, some interesting looks on defense. There was also a, a defensive line situation where you had Kenneth Grant, Mason Graham, and Derek Moore all out there at the same time. And Derek Moore comes up with his uh, first sack of the season. So that was pretty cool to see uh, as well. Let's I go want to see to... more of him still, A.B. I still want to see more of Derek Moore as a pass rusher. And it was interesting to me I, I, when Junior Colson, and I got to go back and look at the film, when they used him as a pass rusher as well, he got, I think, a sack on Saturday. If he I'm did. not mistaken. Was he, he lined up on the edge or was he coming on a blitz? I, couldn't I think know. he came right up the middle. Okay. So I'd like to see more of that from him because I think, you know what, attack is kind of his strength as well. Well, I've got a couple. I've got a one that will. I mean, a couple that will segue right from this Perfect. conversation that we're having right here. The first is for you, Ballas, and it asks: If your kid did the smell test celebration, would you be upset? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> the smell test celebration. He was just wiping his brow. Is That's what uh, is what Jim Harbaugh said. You know what? I fail to believe. I do not believe that that official uh, who looked like you know was older as about. John Borden's age, you know, understood what he was seeing. I don't think that's terrible. <laughs> John does not look that old. Uh, you know what? Apparently the throat slash thing, whatever. We were watching the Notre Dame game. I'll get to your, I'll answer your question, JC, in one second. But we were watching the Notre Dame game and the, the Notre Dame linebacker made a play and he does the throat slash right in front of the referee and there's no call. You know what? You, uniform. If it's going to be a penalty, it's going to be a penalty. Don't let these guys decide what offends them because that's ridiculous. So, yes, I would be, be upset, uh, though, JC, because I'm a throw the ball back. I'm a Barry Sanders throw the ball back to the official kind of guy. You know what? Get off my lawn, whatever. You know what? I, but it's like Skeen said, they used to celebrate with their teammates, like whether it was a sack. You know, they'd sack the quarterback and then 10 guys would be standing on top of the quarterback while they're celebrating, pretending they don't see him. You know what? I love that. Or when in the end zone, you know what? Desmond Howard calling all those guys over when he wasn't doing the Heisman pose, you know, his linemen saying, come on over here and, and let's celebrate together. That's what I'm about. And that's what I think they should be about. But different day and age. Well, they still do that a lot. When you see the touchdowns, you see, uh, you know, a lot of the big plays on defense, but that was one of the more insane calls I've seen this season in college football. He clearly wasn't, I was standing right in front of him. He clearly was not, doing a throat slash and it kind of goes back to if you're an official you have to see it for sure to call it you can't just be like oh well i think he might have done that no you didn't see him do it 100 percent. so and because he didn't do it um so you can't call it so i thought that was ridiculous and i love jim harbaugh's uh little uh today was asked about um the turnover buffs that they've been wearing the cartier you know sunglasses detroit style and he, you know, he didn't really know what buffs were, but then he was saying, well, he loves the pictures they do on the sideline after they get the turnover, because apparently you can't celebrate at all in any nature on the field after a play. So he took another dig at the officials, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I guess you got to be careful, especially when it gets called like that. And that cost Michigan uh, in the first half as well, but Stupid call. Stupid call. Correct me if I'm wrong, AB. That's a pretty vulgar uh, thing that he did. I, I'm, I'm as, as out of touch as Jim Harbaugh really? is. On All right, Clay, you're a young guy. I, I mean, I don't 
I don't know how vulgar it is. As Jalen Harrell said, that was that's Matthew Judon's celebration. Right. And then I was watching Judon get a sack yesterday against the Lions, and he didn't do it. But oh, he didn't. I, I saw him do it once. Okay, did he do it once? Well, yeah. one, one play he made, he didn't. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But no, I mean, I, I don't think you know you can do whatever you want. You know, as long as you're not doing the throat slash or whatever. Yeah. Uh, very stupid. And Jim Harbaugh even reprimanded Cornelius Johnson for doing the X uh, after he scored the Black Panther thing. So they were they were being careful there after after that stupid call. Yeah, I forgot to address this after the game Saturday, and I haven't really. I think I tweeted about it during the game, but I'm glad that we're talking about it right now. I am so tired of you know we we watch and we follow a sport where guys are literally getting into the equivalent impact of like a car crash in every single play which raises adrenaline, which raises everything. And then we're trying to, we're throwing the flag and regulating emotions. Now, I mean, it's ridiculous. And and this is, that was one of the worst officiated games really on both sides that I've (laughs) ever seen. Uh, That crew had absolutely no idea what was going on. And it's funny to me because like last week they had the, um, they had the crew that has the female, the the female uh, ref that was on the crew. And you hear people say, Oh God, how is uh, she's going to be too emotional to call a game? And it's, she won't have her mental stability about her. Someone's you've got that guys. Down. You've got these referees on the field pausing before penalty calls. Like they're Ryan Seacrest on American idol, teasing you before the commercial break. Right. It's ridiculous. It uh, officiating at every level of every sport is the worst it's ever been rant over. We'll move there on to the next question. I get there it um, is, JC. Yep. <laughs> thank you so much, JC. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is from we'll go to Captain Banana Peel, uh, who we oh you know, we have a sneaking suspicion is Hutch's uh, burner that he has on the at back. least do a super chat, Hutch. Come on. Right. Yeah, come, come on. on. Air, Admiral me. Banana Hammock back there. Um Captain Banana Peel Peniel, uh, uh, Banana Peel asks, <laughs> How do we feel about Michigan's run defense in a base defense set? That's what this game will come down to, in my opinion. Clay? I mean, by base, does he mean kind of the Mason Graham in there next to Mozzie Smith? I don't think we're going to see that a ton against Penn State. They still like to spread it out a little bit. I know they use their tight ends and bunch things up at times, too, similar to Michigan. But, um, you know, I think we're going to see that. I I don't think we're going to see it the whole game or that's what it's going to come down to. I think Michigan is going to have to stop the run. Uh, in a more traditional sense, they actually have a good running back and a decent offensive line they're going to be playing against. But, um, you know, I, I don't know about the base defense thing. I think it's still going to come down to, you know, and Penn State likes to get the ball on the edge too, you know, making tackles in open space. We saw Michigan do a great job last year at that. But I think the talent level has risen on the Penn State offense, and it's going to be more of a challenge. But that defense, I'm excited to see how they come, you know, come to play. It wasn't a full 60 minutes last week. It wasn't a full 60 minutes against Iowa. Now you're back home. You got the crowd behind you. And, you know, you were able to clean up some mistakes this week, hopefully as the week goes on in practice. So I think that they, you know, should be well prepared for this game. I agree. And I think uh, I'm still not sold on Penn State's offensive line. Uh, You know, you go back to the first game of the year against Purdue and there were things that they didn't do well. And uh, I don't think they've been tested as much as certainly not as much as they're going to be on Saturday. So I love Mason Graham in there. He gets better and better. Uh, I've said it many, many times that he's farther along than any defensive tackle that I've ever seen at Michigan at this point in his career. It was the same in the spring. We were hoping it would be the same in the fall. And it is. This guy's a starter on a defense that's what, top 10? 
and top 15 in the country in a lot of categories, whatever it is. So um, he's doing he's doing extremely well. Uh, Mozzie Smith, I think uh, when he shows that, you know, when he flashes that other gear is when that Michigan defensive line lives up to its potential. In a game like this, I think he's going to have to, and I think he will. So, um, but they're getting better. And we saw it at the end of that game against Indiana when, uh, when they were just absolutely dominating up front. So uh, I don't think that Penn State's going to be as quick to abandon the running game, though, even if it's not working early. So it is going to be the biggest challenge um, to me. And if they can control the ball on the ground somewhat, then, I, again, I think they have a decent chance to win the game. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, you know, here's the thing about Michigan. You know, Michigan caught all these all these strays uh, in the early part of the season for not playing anyone yet. Um, Hutch, I hate to say it, but Penn State has played Purdue, Ohio, Auburn, who's terrible. I mean, they didn't go into Tuscaloosa and win. They, yeah, they I mean, they Auburn. scheduled them years ago, though. Right, right. I get that, and kudos to them. I would have loved to see Michigan play a Power Five this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Auburn's not what people thought they would be. Central Michigan, my alma mater is god-awful. Uh, shout out to Jim McElwain for that dumpster fire up there. Um, the Northwestern game, uh, they had all kinds of weather issues, and then they are on a bye. So, um, you know, for all the people that say, oh, well, this would be a, a stiff test for Michigan, uh, this is by far the stiffest test that Penn State has faced, too. That's what's so exciting about this game is that in the grand scheme of things, we don't know a whole hell of a lot about either of these two football teams. Great point. This is one of those Big Ten East pecking order games. I'm really excited for it, and we'll we'll get to it more uh, as we do our preview on Thursday. But yeah, this is uh, you know it's not quite a playoff game, but it it certainly has that type of feel to it. So likely. I just wanted to throw this stat out. James Franklin, three and six coming off of a bye. So, you know, I know some people were talking about the – it is always weird when one team's coming off a bye and the other team isn't. That's why Michigan and Michigan State in a couple of weeks, they both are. So, I guess it's even, you would say. But doesn't always give a team an advantage either. So yeah, And bye will be the third – after Saturday, bye will be the third hardest opponent that Penn State has played so far. So, what <laughs> do we got here? Too much, I'm talking too much on this episode, so I'll just – No, you're not. I'll go to the next question. Nope. Uh, from Shadyville, did the second half of the Iowa game one-dimensional due to score in the game against Indiana with a horrible offensive line give us any false sense of security with the pass rush or have has Michigan turned a corner there? Clay. I think – a little bit of both. Uh, Indiana had a terrible offensive line. They fired their offensive line coach yesterday. Uh, I don't think I don't think Iowa's offensive line is very good either. Um, but I do think that you know they did a decent job against Michigan until it was just too late and they were able to pin their ears back. I will say the defensive line play as a whole, both against the run and the pass, over the last five quarters of football for Michigan, I think has really taken a step forward, and that's a you know that's a bright sign right now for this team because I was concerned about the pass rush. I thought against Colorado State, you know, everyone was talking about how great it was, including myself. You had seven sacks in that game. And then you look at Colorado State, I think they've given up over 30 sacks on the season already, which is, you know, one of the highest in college football. So I think that was more of a false sense of security. I think they are getting better. They're figuring out the combinations. Anthony and I were texting back and forth when I was on the field during the game. We were saying, wow, look at that look with Iabi out wide, Mike Morris inside of him, Chris Jenkins on the other side of the line, uh, you know, spread all the way out to the edge spot to give them a different look. We 
saw him do a few different things like that where the edge guys were inside, Jenkins and some of the defensive tackles were out, and then you, they twisted. Um, so I think Jesse Minter, Mike Elson right now, they're probably getting in the lab, maybe a little, little special meetings on some of those types of things. How can we free these guys up? How can we keep the, uh, the offensive line guessing? And it's working right now. So I think from not only the players but also the coaching staff, we're seeing a lot better play over the last five or so quarters. Yeah, and some of the – you know what? There were a couple times against Iowa where it was a twist in which they got home. Ayabi's big hit on yeah. the last play of the game. But sometimes you just need those guys on the edges in a four-man rush to win their one-on-ones, right? Yeah. If there's nobody back there. And we're starting to see more of that. Uh, I think Mike Morris is using his strength a little bit more. Now, he doesn't have the moves, and he's not as twitchy as Aiden Hutchinson was, but he's starting to get home with brute strength. Iabi uh, Oki is uh, obviously capable of doing that. And I think Derek Moore, again, is is a guy that we're going to see more of in that role, too, on obvious passing downs. So it's going to come down to that. So you got to find those guys that work well together. And I asked Mike Elston, the defensive line coach, early in the year, I said, do you continue to experiment with guys that work together, you know, to see throughout the year? And I don't know if, the, if he misunderstood the question. He goes, well, we always play guys together and we always you know rotated them in and out but i want to know you know which guys are getting home when you put them on the field together and and in which positions and i think they're starting to figure that out and uh and i like it i think that they've got capable guys now capable bodies and by the end of the year going into columbus they're going to need all those guys to because uh, you know what that's a different animal obviously we saw that saint francis package with Derek moore and iabi coming in together so they're starting to find some of those pairings i think for sure uh, Mackenzie Sipe with a four ninety nine super chat and it goes go. to say joined late, but my this will be my morning radio for my commute tomorrow. No questions, just value your guys' knowledge and information on all coverage at sports. Keep up the great work and go blue. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. That means a lot. Uh, I guess while we're on that topic, we'll plug the podcast feed. Uh, if you're someone who can't watch live, uh, you can find us in the audio edition of this show on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. That information is in the description below. So thank you, Mackenzie. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, this I is probably going to be I, last call for questions or things like that. Chris, um, I just wanted to say I wanted to know if Mackenzie was related to Brian Sipe. So oh. shoot, uh, check back in and we'll give you four ninety nine back if Brian is indeed related to you. So <laughs> thank you. I'm a these bad guys, these, I'm, guys I'm, don't, these guys don't even know who Brian Sipe is. So sorry, Brian, but Cleveland people do. <laughs> sorry. My head. What's sorry. next? I'm a, I'm a bad host today. No, guys. you're just not old like me. No, so. <laughs> yeah. uh, appreciate you, Mackenzie. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for the super chat. Uh, let's see. We're, we're going to take, we have time for a few more. We're going to get out of here a little bit early tonight. So last call on those, um, or maybe we'll just end on this one. This one's from JC. Uh, he says, how did you guys become Michigan fans? Was it was a job? Was this a job thing that turned into fandom? So, uh, yeah, go ahead. You guys can let it rip. We are unbiased journalists. End of discussion. No, not really. Okay, <laughs> I don't know if uh, I don't know if we've given our, given ourselves away over the years. Maybe with some of the shots at, at some of the rivals or whatever. But yeah, uh, I, I bet it's all of us. For for me, and I know it was for Clay, our dads. And my dad brought me to, uh, you know, you see the helmets for the first time. But I remember my first game in 1980 when uh, when Michigan played Purdue, and uh, they had a great quarterback. And Mark Herman was his name, and Michigan shut him out 26 to nothing. Some chubby guy with a big cigar stepped on my pennant. That was the only bad part of that game, but I remember it like it was yesterday and seeing that stadium for the first time because back then you didn't have all the brick. And you walk in, and then you see the whole thing, Not, but not from street level, not until you get in there uh, do you realize it. And then it's just something that, you know what, 
uh, it takes over and consumes you. It certainly did me and uh, got us our family through some hard times when we lost my sister. And that was what we would do uh, on our Saturdays as a bonding thing. And uh, you know what? The rest is history, man. Here we are. Very fortunate. I feel fortunate every day to be able to, to do what we do and to do it with such great guys. Yeah, for me, it wasn't a job thing that turned into fandom. It was the other way around, like you, Chris, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, Dave Safey, you know, my dad went to Michigan, uh, basically didn't have any other choice, nor did I want another choice to, you know, root for a team. And then, uh, you know, I think it helps us with, uh, you know, what we do on a day-in, day-out basis because it is a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun, though, and, you know, we have the passion for it. So, um, no, super fun, great stuff, and uh, appreciate the question, JC. It's a great one. Yeah, I mean, I would similar origin story to Clayton. Um, my dad, God rest his soul, he's no longer with us, but uh, he was actually a state of Michigan guy. So he'd root for both. And it was for me, uh, just kind of like choose your own adventure. And I guess I, I chose the path I did and wound up going to central Michigan and opportunities just to get reps in this industry wound up being um, over at the the old site I was at, uh, at SB Nation with Mays and Bruce. So it's again, bit of column A, bit of column B for me. I've used that term a few times today, but uh, it's been it's been eight eight football seasons now for me, and and I um, you know, always just wanted to have a voice a- in the market or a- about a team that I grew up caring about, and here we are, and it's been a, an amazing ride so far, and on the best team I've ever been on Thank so you. far. I'm not just saying that because we're live and these guys are here; they know that's how I feel behind the scenes as well. But to quote Frank the Tank, "Love you, Dad." <laughs> I love you, Dad. Yes. Great scene. Shout out Great to all. Scene. Shout out to dads. What's dads rock. So. Thank God, my Wait, guys. Guys, look um, at this super chat we got. Matt Hutchison. Wow. I, I was gonna. Pay this, this is where we'll end. Uh, we yes. do uh, from producer Matt Hutchinson has dropped a 1999 <laughs> super chat on. This us. is great. So he, it's pretty much his show from here on out. So yeah, uh, don't forget Sean Clifford has gone head to head against Jim Harbaugh and Michigan every year since 1984. <laughs> so he knows tendencies. Uh, how many gummies Heffery leads the game when he drives? Chris, I'll continue to produce and listen. Yeah, I accidentally ate a bag in, in uh, Canada. I don't know if that's legal or not. You know, I don't know what the Canadian rule laws are, but uh, uh, it'll probably be at least that if this if that happens, Hutch. It wouldn't stun me, uh, honestly. If, if Penn State won this game, I'd be surprised, but not stunned. Uh, these are two talented football teams. You got your tier one teams that hoard all the talent, right? Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. And then you've got your college football teams, not your semi-pro teams in Michigan, Penn State, and teams like that. I, uh, uh, you know what? I, I like Clifford because of I think he's tough as nails, man. That guy takes a beating, and he keeps coming back. If I, if they asked me to come back for a sixth year after I got my ass kicked like I did last year, I'd be like, you know what? No, I'm just gonna go work at a, in a bank or something. <laughs> but uh, I give him credit. I, I like that kid for that. Um, you know what? And for many years, uh, we respected the I respected the Penn State program. I'm not a big James Franklin fan, and of course, some things have come to light that have kind of put a damper on some things. Snappy Valley, we won't talk about that. But and a lot of for a lot of years. You know, we kind of looked at them as the program that mirrored Michigan in terms of, you know, how they did things on the recruiting trail and everything else. So, Hutch, if they win, I'll, I'll give you a shout out and a nod and I'll even share my bag of gummies with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I feel bad that he actually paid $20 because we would have taken you know his question any day it's for free. His, it's half his weekly salary. He, he literally know? can just add himself to this, to this video anytime he wants. But Absolutely. Yeah. He chooses to be the great and powerful Oz behind the scenes. That, that 1985, though, Harbaugh versus Clifford game was 
I mean, that was legendary stuff. So yeah, well, they didn't first play until '93, but you know, like Sean Clifford was that, was. that was around the time that Perry Ellis started playing at Kansas. So um, <laughs> there you all go. these worlds colliding here, uh, guys. I think this is probably a good place to put a pin in it. Um, appreciate uh, Clayton, uh, especially Clayton, because I talked over him like four times during this episode. No, um, feel free to get razz me about that on and off the air. Moving forward, uh, Chris Ballas, appreciate you as always. To our listeners, to our readers that are here with us every Monday night, we'll be back next week uh, at 6 p.m. A uh, little waltz on our minds, a little programming note for I believe it's November 7th. Michigan basketball will play its first game of the year on that night. It's a Monday night. It's not looking like we'll do a live show that night, so we will have basketball coverage there. So it's something to keep in mind for a couple weeks down the road. But uh, we will be back during the bye week again, as always. Uh, feel free to leave a like on the video below, uh, subscribe to our channel, uh, find the podcast feeds for the audio editions of all of our shows. John Borton will be live tomorrow night at 530 with Tom Crawford. EJ's recruiting show at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. We will have the three of us, our Penn State preview on Thursday afternoon and Saturday. You'll hear from Ryan Van Bergen, myself after the game and Ballas and Skeen on Sunday after uh, Sunday evening uh, after that game. So uh, thank you guys for watching. Thank you to my esteemed co-hosts for dealing with me. Thank you to producer Hutch behind the scenes. Shout out to rogue shop for their sponsorship of our Monday show. That's going to do it for us. We will talk to you again soon. Love you, dad. <laughs>